Live from San Francisco on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, you are listening to Wrestling Observer Live. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on! Oh my God. I can't believe it. I'm back. Man, have I missed you guys. It's Wrestling Observer Live, and it's Jim Valley, back where I belong on Saturdays, every Saturday. And we are live seven days a week, Monday through Friday, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific. Sundays, what is that? Is that 3 Eastern Pacific? 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific? I'm out of practice. And back here on Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Sports Byline. And today... And against my better judgment, I'm doing live video on my YouTube channel. You can find the link on my Twitter, at Jim Valley, or on my Facebook, or probably just search um, YouTube for, for Jim Valley. You'll find me. I'm one of, the, one of the Jim Valleys. Oh, my gosh, I've missed you guys. After almost dying six times, this is probably the best my voice is going to be, and... Depending on your age, I sound like Brian Pillman or John Laurinaitis. I looked it up. My last live show was June 26th of 2020. Do you know how long that is? John Morrison had just returned to WWE just a little bit before, and, and now he's gone. Anything else happen since then? See, has anybody returned or turned heel because of the fans? Let's see here. Let's see. Let's see. Seth Rollins. Yeah. Uh, Becky Lynch. Yeah. Lance Archer. Shotzi Blackheart. MVP. Trevor Murdoch. Sammy. Oh, just, there's just, face it, everybody has turned because of the fans. I've only got an hour. And seriously. I am here, and you kept me going through my recovery, my therapy, and everything. I am literally here because of the fans. But I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk WrestleMania, Ring of Honor, GCW, and so much more. It's Wrestling Observer Live, Jim Valley. So happy to be back on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. It's Jim Valley. This is The Voice. And we're back. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Speaking of the fans, I want to let you know that I'm not in Dallas, but I will be in Las Vegas for Double or Nothing Weekend. I'll be at various events, Rampage, obviously Double or Nothing. And also, I want to let you know there are still two spots left for the luxury suite for Double or Nothing. Be sure to contact Tony Leader at F4WOnline.com. But also, that weekend, I will make my first ever and probably my only appearance in a wrestling match. 
I will be in Debbie Malenko's Corner on Saturday, May 28th for Poder Quattro at the Silver Nugget Casino. Now, beforehand, there's a meet and greet with Dave and Brian at 10 a.m., Q&A at 11. And after that, there'll be a stacked card of women's wrestling, including Nicole Savoy taking on Debbie Malenko. And Debbie and I were buds, so I will be in uh, Debbie's Corner. You can go to uh, brownpapertickets.com for Poder Quattro. It's at six, number six, something like that. Um, coming up on the show, I got this idea from Twitter. Why Cody Rhodes is the best sports entertainer in the world. No, not really. That's a great quote, though. Very funny. Let's uh, go to the phones at 1-800-878-PLAY. And it's got to be Ryan. Ryan, how are you? Oh, it's nice to be finally back on the show since uh, you might be the only show I'm allowed to be on now. I guess I have no standards. What's on your mind, man? Uh, my question is about the Hall of Fame. It was uh, nice seeing the Steiner brothers finally getting put in to the Hall of Fame and actually getting mentioned on SmackDown because I think their name's actually banned from uh, WWE since uh, Scott must have did something to pick Triple H off. But do you think it's possible with them getting in the WWE Hall of Fame that they'll actually get into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame? That's a great question. Thanks for the call, Ryan. Um... You know, the Steiner brothers, I think, are a legendary tag team. It's close. You know, they didn't have a huge run. But in 1990, they very much eclipsed the Road Warriors as that strong style, you know, fan favorite tag team. They had awesome matches in New Japan with Hase and Sasaki and so many others. And obviously the things that they did in WCW, I think even Semper Vivi mentioned the other day, the pops that the Steiner brothers got were incredible. And that's something to, uh, to think about. I think they're close. I could go either way, but I would have no problem with the Steiners being in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. I have a friend who's a big uh, action figure guy, and he's excited that the Steiners are in good graces because that means hopefully he'll get some new Steiner Brothers action figures in the near future. You know, it's great to be back here on Saturday, and in all honesty, I wasn't going to do the show. I'm glad Ryan mentioned the Hall of Fame because I was doubting myself and feeling down and low and I was going to call the whole thing off and then I saw the Undertaker's motivational speech or I mean Hall of Fame speech I mean I learned about the Undertaker's mental moves and now I have the confidence to do this show thanks Undertaker I have the perception the respect I'll never be content and I'm unapologetically me. Uh, you know, I'm going to talk about the Hall of Fame because Ryan brought it up. But did you see the Hall of Fame? I thought it was a good speech, but didn't it feel like The Undertaker was doing a motivational seminar? It felt like it was an audition for like a corporate retreat somewhere in the future. Thank you for coming to my Taker talk. Or maybe, in his case, my dead talk. But honestly, jokes aside, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Undertaker speak 
at corporate events. I mean, there's huge money in that. I have friends who are stand-up comedians and things. They do okay in the clubs, but the corporate stuff is where they really make their bread and butter. And hiring Undertaker to speak at Microsoft or even at, uh, <coughs> at next door, Garrett, um, it feels like a Vince McMahon, Nick Khan corporate synergy thing, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like that? I mean, it was a good speech, but it wouldn't surprise me if right now there were uh, producers cutting that up into sound bites, adding graphics and inspirational music, and finding out how, yes, you too can bring Mark Calloway to your event to talk about his motivational moments or his, his mental his mental moves. It just, I liked it, but it, there was something that felt like he was going to monetize it in the future, if, if that makes sense. A couple of other notes on the Hall of Fame. To the fans at the Hall of Fame, I say this every year, I love you, but I mean this from the bottom of my heart, shut up. Shut up. Nobody wants to hear your terrible chants at inappropriate times. Seriously, you're like 20,000 Will Smiths at the Oscars. Nobody wants that. Every year it happens, and it's annoying. I get that Vince McMahon is a character, but he wasn't playing the character at this time. You've got a historical person, a true, you know, top-tier guy going into the Hall of Fame, and these idiots have got to chant. And it was annoying, it was inappropriate, and I was just like, let's get on to the speeches. I don't want to hear you. Wrestling fans can be the greatest in the world, but there's just a couple that just need to learn that there's a time and place for everything. It drove me crazy. A couple of other thoughts about the Steiners were fine. What they said was to be expected. Uh, Charmel, wow. Charmel was everything you could want in a speech. Poised, appropriate, prepared. I mean, I was watching this going, why didn't she cut more of Booker T's promos? And I know that Booker T and Charmel as Queen Charmel, they were a great act. But just Charmel... Just being Charmel, that was great. I, I mean, I just kept thinking that had she had other opportunities in wrestling to be involved in things, she would have been really great, even better than kind of the cartoony Queen Charmel. I thought, I thought she was fantastic. Also, beautiful moments by uh, Shad Gaspar's family and and Vader's families, uh, JTG and. Uh, his son did the crime time, or Shad's son, I should say, did the crime time handshake. You know, those are the the real moments of of the Hall of Fame, and I think those were the, the highlights. But one more thing about The Undertaker. You know what would have made his induction feel more important? If he was undefeated at WrestleMania. Can you imagine how important and how... How much gravitas it would have had if you would have said The Undertaker was undefeated at WrestleMania. 
the merchandise, the coverage, everything. I mean, that streak was such a big deal. I get that you lose to build up others, but that streak was the exception to the rule. And then to lose to Roman, that was just, I mean, that was nothing. I would argue that Brock is such a great performer that he didn't need that. He would be in the same place he is. Ditto with Roman Reigns. And I just couldn't help but think how much bigger that event would have been had you retired The Undertaker undefeated at WrestleMania. At least those are my thoughts. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-7529. Tweet me at uh, Jim Valley. We got WrestleMania to talk about. We've got Ring of Honor to talk about. And so much more. It is so great to be back. And I mean that. Wrestling Observer Live. Sports Byline. Broadcasting Network. Listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Are we back? It's Jim Valley. You know, it's been two years almost since I've been back here on Wrestling Observer Live, but it doesn't feel like 2022 to me. I mean, seriously, let's take five minutes to download Destiny's Child and iTunes, turn on the TV and watch Desperate Housewives. Of course, that's after we walk down to the specialized bakery and get some expensive cupcakes. 2005 is back, baby. Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal in Ring of Honor in 2022. Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, last night running down some key results. Jonathan Gresham defeated Bandito with Chavo Guerrero Jr. in his corner to become the undisputed ROH World Champion, fantastic match, but the big story, after the match, Jay Lethal came out and attacked Gresham. Sanjay Dutt came out, did like a pull-apart, it looked like, and then he helped to attack Gresham. And at that moment, the Godzilla music hit, and out came Samoa Joe. And they faced off. That's right. Jay Lethal versus Samoa Joe could be coming in 2022. Everybody raving about Super Connor Honor. Uh, no surprise, FTR beat the Briscoes for the tag team titles. A great match again. Maybe a match of the year contender. No surprise, but the surprise was the Young Bucks coming out of nowhere, super kicking the Briscoes after the match and burying Ring of Honor, talking about it was the old place. They left, started the new company that bought Ring of Honor. And it looks like the Bucks versus FTR for both the AAA and ROH titles for a Dynamite. Will we see the Briscoes? That's a good question. I don't know. Wheeler Yuta won the pure title from uh, Josh Woods. No sign of William Regal that I saw on camera. Minoru Suzuki defeated Rhett Titus for the TV title. A quick match. Suzuki put Titus away early. Other things of note, the Gates of Agony are Tully Blanchard's new tag team. He also brought out Brian Cage to be part of Tully 
Blanchard Enterprises. And you got to think that Tully Blanchard's team is on a collision course at some point with FDR in Ring of Honor. Another match, uh, the one Peacock that wrestling fans do like, Dalton Castle defeated Joe Hendry. After the show, Tony Khan tweeting that Samoa Joe is all elite. He did the same thing for Wheeler Yuta. And according to Dave Meltzer, a lot of fans are confused, but Dave says everyone is going to be under both umbrellas. And afterwards, when talking to the press, Tony Khan said that there's a no TV deal in place. You know, Tony, if you really want to bring back 2005 in three months, we should be able to order the show on DVD. I have nowhere to play it, but I'll go out and scour some thrift stores and swap meets. I mean, more than I actually do already. But We'll see how Tony Khan juggles the talent of both promotions. And look, that's the thing I want to talk about. I'm not saying Tony Khan is perfect. I do think he's done a fine job. However, it is time to stop judging Tony Khan, AEW, and now Ring of Honor by WWE standards and history. WWE is great. It's a corporate monolith. It's got tons of content and partners and production values. It does a lot of things right. But there's more than one way to do things. It's very easy if you watch in North America and everywhere WWE reaches to say that that's the correct and only way to produce wrestling. For over the last nearly 40 years, many things WWE pioneered became the ways that everyone produces wrestling. Long interviews, the ramp, the Titan Tron, lots of different things. But it doesn't mean it's the only way or necessarily the best way for everyone. And let me give you a great example. Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal was not getting buried. You saw the tweets. Jay Lethal's not on TV. Jay Lethal keeps losing. Well, now do you see? It didn't make sense for Jay Lethal to be exposed, overexposed on TV yet. And it's very easy to apply WWE booking and tropes to other companies because it's the name brand, but you shouldn't. AEW and Tony Khan have only been in the wrestling business for a few years. Think of like Marvel. It took how many movies and how many years before it really solidified a universe with rules and patterns. Let's see how things unfold. There's still a lot of time before I think we'll really see the true world of Tony Khan's booking. The patterns are still revealing themselves. But remember, it's not WWE. Losing often happens for a reason. And just because somebody loses doesn't mean that they're buried. Quit applying WWE rules to a company that is not WWE. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. You can tweet me at uh, Jim Valley. By the way, I want to mention for WrestleMania weekend, if you are listening in Dallas 
on the uh, Sports Byline Affiliate, 105.3 The Fan. I want to say hello. I hope you're having a, a great time. I mean, so much wrestling this weekend. And it's really hard to predict WrestleMania, but particularly before the show. I mean, if you watch for any amount of time, you realize that so much of what a match gets, its length, its outcome, often depends on its position of the card, time left on the show. There are a lot of variables, you know. If WWE gave the rundown before the show, it might be easier to predict. You can see kind of who they want to spotlight, who are in the cooling off spots. And you also got to think about next month's pay-per-view, WrestleMania rehash or reheated or whatever it is. U-turn. It's always road to WrestleMania. But keep in mind, there's got to be rematches. And that's the thing about WrestleMania. It's not for the wrestling fans. It's for casual fans, corporate partners, media. You know, there are some good matches, but mostly they go for moments. So as I look at the card, I think about it more like in clips that can play on SportsCenter, TMZ, or social media. WrestleMania always seems so much easier to predict in the moment. There are exceptions. Last year, Drew McIntyre, he was, a lot of people expected him to win, and he didn't. Um, so there'll be, always be surprises like that. And then, of course, you've got to have the happy moments. And then you look at the card and you say, well, there's two women's title matches on the first night. Are they really going to switch both mel- or both titles? That does happen, but not that often. You look at the ratio to baby faces and faces winning and heels winning. and You just kind of got to balance things out. And it's, it's not as easy as going, well, this guy's a bigger star. He's going to win. This person is a good guy. They're going to win. It's not that easy. You really got to kind of balance things out for the casual audience, for the media, the corporate partners. What's coming up next? Saudi Arabia. There, there are a lot of things. And so when you look at that, that's how I think I have predictions for, I don't know if I have predictions for WrestleMania, but I have some thoughts as far as what I think could happen and what we need to look for. You know, very easy. For example, Kevin Owens and Steve Austin, obviously that's going to send the fans home happy. But I have a feeling this is a test for Steve Austin. I know a lot of people don't agree with me. There's some who've thought this as well. But I believe that Steve Austin, looking at the pictures, looks like he's in pretty good shape for this. And in the past, sometimes he came back and he wasn't in the best shape. He kept his shirt on, had a little beer belly. And I think if this goes well, this whole event with Kevin Owens, we could see, could see Steve Austin in Saudi Arabia or maybe next year WrestleMania if The Rock can't be in the main event. This feels like a first chapter. It does kind of remind me. Like, remember when The Rock hosted WrestleMania? It was the first chapter with John Cena. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is the first chapter of Steve Austin. Make some big money and then be done with it. 
maybe two more matches, huge payoffs, leave the crowd home happy, one last hurrah, and and that's it. That's, that's my thought. I don't know that. I certainly could be wrong, but there's a lot of money out there, and Steve Austin is a businessman, and it wouldn't surprise me if Steve Austin wants to do business. Your thoughts on that at 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. Tweet me at Jim Valley. Also, I'm on YouTube right now. You can find my YouTube channel on my Twitter. It's Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. One eight hundred eight seven eight play. One eight hundred eight seven eight seven five two nine. It's Jim Valley. This is the voice now. I hope you can uh, live with it and join me each and every Saturday as we are back live here on Wrestling Observer, ten a.m. Pacific, one p.m. Eastern, on uh, Sports Byline on the Radio Network. Recapping uh, today, WrestleMania. Looking at the uh, predictions, Seth Rollins. A lot of people think it's going to be Cody. I would expect a huge entrance. For Cody, you know, tremendous entrance, I would imagine, a WrestleMania moment for that, that they'll show, you know, for the foreseeable future at least. Um, as far as this match goes, I think that does Shane McMahon interfere? Does Vince McMahon interfere? Is, you know, why did Vince McMahon invite Seth to WrestleMania and say, all you need to do is just ask me? Is Vince doing some sort of stable? It sure seems like there's going to be some sort of McMahon involvement in this match, which would give Seth an out so he can so he can lose. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair. Um, people are thinking that uh, Becky's going to cut Bianca's braid, and I hope not. Um, it's too soon for that. Beck, uh, Bianca has not been around long enough. Plus... WWE's not done much with the braid. Seriously. You know what I would do if I was WWE? I would create some sort of Bianca Belair cartoon where the braid is sort of like the carpet in Aladdin, where it doesn't talk, but it has its own personality, and it helps her on her adventures, you know, like Dora the Explorer, Super Friends, or... Something like that. I think that Bianca Belair is ridiculously marketable with that braid. And if they do cut the braid in a few years, let it mean something. But it's way too soon for that. Way too soon. I would expect Bianca wins, but this feud will continue. Charlotte and uh, Ronda Rousey, maybe like a some sort of... Sh- this could go either way. I guess if if Bianca wins, then maybe Charlotte somehow cheats to win this and the feud continues. But these these two matches, in my opinion, are the hardest ones to predict because it feels like both titles can't 
change hands. And I also feel like this one is where the match order is important, where you think a title change in the first match and maybe not one in the middle of the card because it's less important. Or maybe you sandwich the show with one of the women's titles matches in the beginning what's important, and then the last match is the other women's title match. And you could say it's the main event because the Kevin Owens show is is something else. It's not a match, so to speak. So that could be that could be your out there. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. Last night on SmackDown, Matt Cap Moss won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Later in the show, it appeared that Happy Corbin was a little jealous, so maybe sowing the seeds for problems during their match today with during his match today with Drew McIntyre. But it sure seems like they're teasing a split with Corbin and Moss, and it does look like the WWE is high on Moss at least right now. Uh, Logan Paul and Miz versus the Mysterios. There's got to be a moment with Paul. Some people are speculating it's just a punch, but. Is that going to be enough? I mean, Logan punches people for real. I think it's got to be like a moonsault or something like that, where it's more physically impressive, but still will, you know, get a lot of traction on TikTok and social media. So I think that's going to be your WrestleMania moment. Nakamura and Boogs versus the Usos. I would expect the Usos retain, uh, you know, because of the bloodline. That way Roman looks strong going into WrestleMania. And then the New Day versus Sheamus and uh, Ridge Holland with with Butch. And it's WrestleMania, kids. It's, it's stupendous. It's stupendous. I love the old-timey words. And uh, speaking of old-timey, Sheamus, Ridge Holland... Butch, um, the chase, you guys, Madcap Moss, maybe even Happy Corbin. What is the deal with these people in WWE being dressed up like the little rascals? What? Why do they look like they're on a soup line during the Depression? Seriously, we're in 2022. Some official was quoted in a story how they want athletes to be 25 when they reach the main roster. Okay, why do you want young athletes if you're going to dress them up like Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story? Did, did Vince just see this? I mean, it's on TNT every year, so... No, no, Vince, Vince wasn't watching that because, you know, AEW's on TNT, so... Actually, Tony Khan should be doing some sort of synergy with with a Christmas story. But I just don't understand why everyone is dressed up like they're Charlie Chaplin. Would someone explain this to me? Is WWE doing a, a silent movie in, initiative? Someone in the chat says, it's very cool in 1972. No, it's 1922 more what it is. I, I, is Vince a big fan of the Wright brothers? I, just, I don't understand why you have these old-timey costumes. Are you going to have people like falling off buildings and hanging from Big Ben like Harold Lloyd? 
I don't know. Does Vince is Vince going to cancel his his uh, television deal with Fox and go on MeTV? I, just, I don't understand why they're dressed up like this. Why is this? So the Dupont, yeah, they're going to bring back. Is it Dupont or Dumont Network? It's like every day. Vince gets closer and closer to being Mr. Burns. Me personally, I look forward to uh, WrestleMania in 20 dickety six. WrestleMania 40, an onion tied to my belt. Just Anyway, I, I don't understand why they're dressed like that. But anyway. Um, a couple of other notes from, from this weekend very quickly. Um, Taya, Val- Taya Valkyrie returned to Impact. Uh, she challenged, uh, Deanna Perazzo after her match at the, uh, Multiverse, uh, matches event. So they're going to face off on, uh, Impact at, uh, Rebellion on April 23rd. Great to see her back. Taya Valkyrie, that's another one they dropped the ball on. She is great. I don't care that she's closer to 40. She looks good. She looks different. She's fantastic. I don't I I don't understand that one. Someone in the chat says Kevin Dunn is Smithers. You, you excellent. That is an excellent point. Uh some other highlights. They had uh, Spring Break GCW Night 2. Uh Chris Dickinson with uh, Missy Hyatt. Missy Hyatt looks fabulous. Uh, Chris Dickinson defeated uh, Matt Cardona with Chelsea Green. Uh, Minoru Suzuki defeated Effie. Uh, the second gear crew, AJ Gray, Matthew Justice, and Mance Warner, won the Cluster F. It went almost an hour and a half. It ended at quarter to four in the morning. Does that sound like a rock song? It went almost an hour and a half. Ended at quarter to four in the morning. Just me and the second gear crew. I think it's a Night Ranger song. I saw them on the 80s cruise. A couple of notes from the Cluster F. Joey Janelle and Buff Bagwell started it. Bagwell was on crutches. They pretended to celebrate, and then Joey super kicked Buff and pinned him. Other entrants to the whole thing included the Invisible Man, of course, Nick Wayne, Jimmy Wayne Yang, Maven, one of those guys who went viral fighting in Walmart and whole bunch of other Indian talent, indie and all kinds of talent all over. And I'd be remiss without noticing our own Denise Salcedo introduced who they called Paywall Jesus, Sean Ross Sapp. He was number 34. The fans responded with a, we want Meltzer chant, of course. And uh, Sapp said that he just got back from the Ring of Honor show run by Tony Khan, who pays more than GCW. And he demanded everyone pay for Fightful Select so they can read about GCW wrestlers getting fired by AEW. Pretty funny. Uh, Josh Barnett was number 35. And that Denise, don't turn your back on Denise. Uh, She came in, low-blowed Sean before eliminating him. And Dave Prezak on commentary said he'd check out F4W Live results from... uh, now on so very funny some uh, good stuff and you know getting back to the thing talking about don't judge 
AEW by WWE standards. The same thing with other shows. You know, there's always a reaction to things. And maybe GCW or Joey Janela's shows aren't for everybody, but they feed a certain fan. And there's a niche. And there's a certain fan that wants that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to go against the grain. And I'll, I'll be honest here. Um, on television, I didn't really like Joey Janela. Not, not because of his character, but he was a little soft. He just didn't seem like, aside from the character, that he was necessarily taking things seriously. But in the last few ye- by last year or so, he's leaned up. I met him backstage at... Uh, at uh, Defy here in Seattle, and I gotta say, the guy loves the business. I asked him, I go, Joey, you're, you're, you know, you've really leaned up. You look good. He goes, dude, I'm like 34. I gotta compete with the young kids now. And yeah, he's got a character, the bad boy, and things, but he really takes it seriously. He loves wrestling, and you know, it's not like I didn't like him, but he really won me over as far as. Delivering what fans want, what his audience wants, and obviously they sold out the Hammerstein Ballroom. They did well on Fight TV, and my hat's off to Joey Janela. I think even though he won't be in AEW, I think in some ways it fits him better. Much like you can't project WWE on other things, other people fit better in different contexts. Context matters in wrestling. Lex Luger, better in WCW. One of the few people who fit better there than WWE. And in many ways, Joey Janela is a bigger star out in the independent circuit than he is in AEW. He is a guy who does his own path, and he's not disagreeable. Don't misunderstand me. I'm sure he does whatever Tony Khan or anybody who books him asks him. Obviously, if Defy has him back, he's a good guy because Defy hires good people, except for me and Christopher Daniels. But that's another story. But the point is, is I think that Joey Janela shows that you can still be a big star and not be in other companies. 1-800-878-PLAY 1-800-878-7529 Tweet me at Jim Valley. Jim Valley, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. All right, real quick, let's go to Kurt in Ontario. What's going on, Kurt? Uh, hey, Jim. Yeah, we don't have a lot of time, so I'll just get to this real quick. I wanted to be the voice of the F4W Empire and say uh, we're all real happy to have you back on the air. Um, even before Absence Made the Heart Grow Fonder, you're always one of my favorite guys to listen to. So it's really good to have you back on Saturdays and... Uh, Gonna put my tinfoil hat on. If Cody doesn't show up, who's the funniest person they could get to replace? All right, have a good day, Jim. All right, man. Thank you. 
That's a good question. Um, obviously, I think Shane McMahon is the most obvious person. Dave says he's not anywhere in creative on the list, but you never know. And I'm going to be honest. To a large group of people, I've got some casual friends who are casual fans, and Shane is a big star to them. And I think to a casual fan base, there are people who would not be disappointed to see the return of Shane McMahon, and I'm being 100% serious. I also want to be 100% serious when I say thank you to Kurt, thank you to everybody in the chat I really appreciate those sentiments. Um, you know, it's been a long, nearly two years. I was in the hospital for nearly four. I was in the hospital for five months. And it's been a long time of throat surgeries, of physical therapy. You know, a year ago, I had a walker, and I had crutches, and I needed help walking up the stairs. And now, here I am, back with you, doing what I love and what I've missed so, so very much. Right before the show, my wife looked at me and she said, it's good, you look good, and you look like yourself. And I feel like myself. And you want to know why? It's because of the fans. I love you and I owe you, and I owe you so, so much. We'll be back next Saturday. We'll see you here, Wrestling Observer Live. Enjoy WrestleMania. We'll talk next weekend on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.